Live from my bedroom, it is Stay Busy with the boy, Armand Sadler. to another edition of Stay Busy with Armand Sather, where we have responsible discussions on the music business and the music culture. I am your host, head honcho, vegan chorizo poppy. Um, I take a lot of naps these days, poppy. Um, I'm playing a lot of COD, poppy. Um, yeah, man, well, we out here living a life. I'm not doing it here alone. The boy is here. How you feeling, sir? What's going on, y'all? How you feeling? My name is Nick Early. I'm so excited to be here on this beautiful, beautiful Monday. Um we are we're having a good time still doing this podcast virtually. I think it's going to be like this for a little while, man. So I think we got to get used to it. But uh, hopefully one day we'll be back in studio giving y'all official visuals, you know, together in the same room. Oh, man, I missed that. I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like uh, sipping pink lemonade with the bro and, uh, and talking about music. <laughs> right. But hey, you know, we're doing what we can. Uh, of course, we want to give shout outs to anyone who is tuning in. First time listeners, returning listeners, whether you like Luda or Nelly, Strawberry or Grape Jelly, Boys in the Hood or Belly, Fergie Baby or 27 Deli. Oh, yeah. God. I'm, I'm, leave y'all with that. I'm, I'm not just potting. I'm rapping. Oh, I'm out here. I do it all. But we, thank you all for uh, riding with us. And, you know, regardless of, of what platform you listen, uh, joining us for our Jordan episode, episode 23. I want to give a big shout out to Anchor, our distribution platform. If you do not know by now, Anchor will distribute your podcast for free to all of the platforms that you would like to put it on. And you can get some sponsored ads regardless of your listenership. Of course, we want to give another big shout out to our employee of the month, Chris Omar. Yeah, Chris. Uh, the boy, CO Visuals. Follow him, CO.Visuals on, on social media. So follow him there. Um, and of course, our, our landlords. So let's jump into this chat man uh, i see uh brian michael cox and dark child mastery series uh, was that was that something you were yeah, tapped into so i just wanted to for those who did not know so brian michael cox um amazing producer songwriter uh he hopped on a live with dark child rodney dark child jerkins dark child has produced some of your favorite hits like say my name you rock my world um the boy is mine he did uh, Just Can't Get Enough with the Black Eyed Peas. He did Stay With Me, uh, Sam Smith. So he's done a lot of stuff. So um, they, Brian Michael Cox has, I think, been starting to like get into his, like, uh, what type of bag is that? Like his MC bag, host bag. Like he, he did Revolt a while and he moderated the producer panel. Um, and I think he's just been trying to get into like doing more as, as his, as like a brand because he has some great stories to tell. I mean, the guy's been a huge figure in the industry for a long time. And so what he did is he got on with uh, Dark Child and they kind of went through Dark Child's career and they talked about certain things and uh, he shared a lot of interesting stories about how certain records came to be. Specifically, the Sam Smith record, uh, Stay With Me, was such an interesting story. Uh, He had uh, originally like went to a studio session and whoever was A&Ring Sam Smith at the time um, 
told him his plug at Capitol Records was like, oh, I got this guy named Sam Smith. Check out this record. Like, what do you think about it? And they played it to him. He's like, oh, dope. He's like, man, we just can't find nobody to really do it, but I want you to hear it, so maybe you could do it. And he said, yeah, man, send me the files. Never sent him the files. And that person who was his plug at Capitol ended up leaving. And so, like, he never heard from him about the record. Then something like a year or something later, he's in London having a meeting with the people at Capitol in London. And Sam Smith's A&R, who signed him, I believe, um, was the person who he was meeting with. And they were talking to him. Yeah, I got this record, you know, with Sam. Um, you know, just playing you some records. He's like, wait, I've heard this record. He's like, what? How did you hear? He said, oh, so-and-so played for me like a year ago, but I never got the files. He said, bro, I'm sending you the files tonight. And so he had <laughs> listened to it and he realized like all he needed was um, he just needed to go ahead and um, have it sent to him. So he just sent it to him and Dark Child said, oh, man, all of this needs, it just needs to go to church. And so what he what we ended up doing was just taking the song to church. And so he said he got on the organ, uh, added a few you know, choirs and this and third, and that's the stay with me that we hear today. So Crazy. that was a great story. He shared a story about Say My Name. He shared all types of stories. So shout out Dark Child and shout out uh, Brian Michael Cox for having such an interesting series. And I'm sure he's going to be doing more of that. So you guys might want to go file, uh, follow, file, want to go follow Brian Michael Cox on his IG. So, yeah. Okay, great. I'm definitely going to do that. Um DJ Academics put up a tweet this past weekend that I thought was interesting. Uh, he was talking about total streaming on demand numbers for R&B, you know, because we talk about how R&B doesn't necessarily move in the same way that hip hop does. Um, but I, this, the, the numbers on this list uh, really fascinated me. And um, there, there are some it's, it's an all male list. So take it with a grain of salt, because like we know Summer Walker did some crazy numbers. But Frank Ocean was it was at the top with over a billion streams, uh, 1.7 billion to be exact. And then Black was number two with 1.4. Daniel Caesar was 1.3 billion. Bryson Tiller with 1.4 billion. Well, that's off. That should be switched. Uh, Jaquise with 1.3 billion. And then Parties next up with uh, 900 million. Uh, Ty Dallasan, 800 million. Brett Fiaz with 500 million. Um, so that, that was really um, interesting to me. Like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Black. And I, I, I know he's very popular on a kind of cultural level, like word of mouth. But seeing his, his streaming numbers, um, it's, it's kind of cool to know that, you know, as much as people talk about him, they actually listen to him because a lot of artists that people will talk about, but they mo- that but the the numbers don't dictate how how successful they might be. So that was fascinating to me. I just wanted to bring that up. Um, next up, uh, we got a release this past weekend from Future. Uh, Future's uh, I think this is a six studio album, uh, High Off Life. He he's dropped so many projects in, yeah. in, in his career, but a lot of them have been mixtapes or collab tapes or whatever so we you know whatever he's calling it a high off life it was a 21 track album we'd heard five of the songs prior um and i i enjoyed uh most of the singles life is good the life is good remix i wasn't a huge fan of with the baby and little baby um last name with little dirk was cool uh tycoon was a single and then he had something else that i'm forget oh 100 shooters with Do- uh, doughboy and meek mill um I definitely had some high expectations for this album. Future has has delivered throughout throughout his career. I think we were looking forward to a future project, um, and I found myself listening through it and just kind of being like, "Oh, you know, like these there is nothing really new here. Um, there, there weren't too many songs that necessarily excited me, um, and on the features, it kind of felt like." 
the features carried the songs and future was kind of there like on solitaires with travis scott he was kind of just filling the gaps on a travis scott record or trillionaire with uh nba young boy he was just kind of filling the gaps on an nba young boy record or yeah. all bad with lil uzi based on that that production that sounded like such a lil uzi record and right, you know right. future he sounded good but i was having a hard time kind of figuring out his direction here and there were definitely some standout records um hard to choose one i liked accepting my flaws i liked high tech tech was cool um and the, there were a few others that that were good but i, I don't know i, I just kind of found myself sitting through it like mm, uh, all right <laughs> i mean i mean personally me i feel like i i didn't really give it a chance if i'm being honest i gotta go back and listen a little bit more but yeah i mean i turned on what the first like <laughs> 45 seconds of the first song and it for me i was just I was like, all right, well, well, here we are again. But, um, I mean, yeah, obviously you got to give more than that. And I'm yeah. being honest with that, but, yeah. um, that's all the time that I had in the moment and just immediately didn't catch me. You know, typically when I have the time, if it's nothing, if the first song don't get me, I'll just kind of like, you know, just preview them first and then go through, uh, if it's an album that I typically wouldn't just seek out for myself, but it's things like I'm listening to either for the sake of us talking about it here or just kind of being able to just speak on it. Um, I think that's what this podcast has helped me do, I guess, a little bit more is kind of jump out sure. in and listen to things that I probably wouldn't have never given the time of day. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, we I like Future. Future is, you know, the sound of a lot of our uh, college experience. I did a whole stroll to Future. So yeah, I mean, like, um, shout out where you at. But, you know, yeah. it. For me, it was just yeah. I got I got to go back and listen if I'm being honest. So mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like from that that first few seconds, we we come to know what it, to expect from him, you know. So yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm of course gonna give it more time. You guys can catch me on Twitter, uh, dropping my takes as it as it ages. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep up with with a lot of things, but future is is important. So I had to take the time out. Um, one project that I was really happy to get uh, one product that was very refreshing. Roy Woods dropped a little six song EP called Dem Times. I really liked it. Uh, standout songs were I Feel It. Um, I actually forget the name of the other one, but it was good. Like all, all six songs I really enjoyed. It's good to hear from Roy. We, we, we've kind of been waiting for him. Just to, we've been waiting to see what he was going to do. He dropped a couple singles last year, a couple singles in 2018, and he said his album was done in 2018, but we didn't get an album, and you know we got party, we got division. We know Drake is coming. Uh, Majid is probably coming. Pop Popcon drops a project, so it's, uh, it's like Roy, you know, you're up, you, you're up at the plate now. Well, what are you gonna do? Because he he had a strong 2015 and 2016. I think he kind of fired at a very high rate, and then he might have burnt out, or you know he just kind of felt like he needed to go in a different direction. But it's like he, he's he's kind of taking. A significant time away and people are people are people are ready for it they're, they're ready for roy so uh, i thought this was a nice appetizer just like a while y'all wait type project what um, happened to him what happened like why did he do you know anything about why he just dipped because i remember everyone there was a huge buzz about him way back when when he dropped that project um so wait until dawn or waking the dawn something like that yeah one with the red background yeah i don't i don't think anything in particular happened um just don't know, yeah. I, I I can't pinpoint it. I I I really can't pinpoint what it is for him. I think he put out he put out an album an album in 2015, projects in 2016. He put out another project in 2017. Um, he was I I really think it was just like you know we're putting out a lot of stuff and while Waking at Dawn was popular, like his other projects didn't really catch like that. 
So, uh, so I think I, I think it was taking some, some time to step back and maybe find find a new angle, a new sound, something else that you can connect with the audience with. And these singles have been cool, but they haven't really been picking up all that much steam either. So I'm interested to see how people react to, to this project because I, th- I thought it was really good. And, you know, I, I thought he kind of did have something to prove with this and and it was solid. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, some really good news that I'm excited about for, for my birthday month. You guys know that I was really into Pop Smoke. Uh, rest in peace to him. His uh, first post, post, posthumous release <laughs> uh, will come on. <laughs> Thank you. It'll come on June 12th. Uh, we know that uh, a few months ago, 50 Cent was talking about how he was executive producing it or a and it. I'm not entirely certain if that's still the case, but I do think that uh, with 50's ear, uh, 50's producer affiliations, um, and 50s relationship that, that that he had with Pop Smoke and his affinity for him that I, I think he would do this justice. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I'm trying to think of any other big releases that are coming in June. I can't think of any off the top of my head right now. So I'm really looking forward to, to Pop Smoke. Um, Pop Smoke's project coming in June. Um, next up, what we got? Chloe and Hallie. I know, I know you're a big fan of that. How, how'd you feel about it? I actually really like the song. My only thing with them is just like I see where they're going and I think they're really in like an artist development stage as from what I can see from based on the music that I've heard before to now. I think they're still trying to find their stride as to like who is our audience? You know, how does our music go over? Um, And I think, you know, obviously being under the tutelage of Beyonce, you're going to you're going to get some real growth and development. So I think this is um, another mark on their journey that they're going to be able to show. I think the song is really dope. Uh, there's a challenge that goes along with it too. It was so funny. I was seeing on Twitter. With, speaking of these challenges, real quick aside, <laughs> people were talking about comparing "Walk It Out" to like the challenges that are happening now with like the "Do It" challenge and all the other challenges on TikTok. Is like there's only one move in in our jan- in our dances. It was the yeah. "Walk It Out." You walk it out to the entire song. You don't have to do all this, you know, hit and move and then roll and body and tw- you know twist and shake and all this stuff like they're doing in all these complex down- dance challenges now. But it's just yeah. funny how things evolve. But uh, but yeah, no, uh, I, I'm really excited for them and their growth. They're they're amazing singers. Uh, they're just they're just fascinating. To it's just fascinating to see how um, their career is going to grow. And so they might. Be, I think they're going to turn them into pop stars. They're doing a lot of dancing in this new video, the Do It video. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited for them. Like I said, there's a dance to go along with it. So I hope I hope and wish the best for Chloe and Hallie as they continue to find their stride here. <laughs> yeah, people on Twitter were talking about how, how they're Beyonce's Neos. I, I got to laugh. I was crying. <laughs> I was crying when I saw it. <laughs> said, ain't they her Neo? <laughs> well, that, that's a great profile to have for sure. Yeah. Um, next up, we got a, we got a new single from Trippy Red featuring Party Next Door, Excitement. I was very intrigued at this collab. We know Drake and Trippy have a relationship, so I'm sure that's a very easy play to to make. Um, yo, Drake, can, can I get PND on a hook? Yeah, yo, party, you know, that's, that's light work. Um, but the, the song ended up sounding really good. I mean, I've I've liked Trip, what Trippy Red has given over his career. He's he's really good with the melodies. He's he's improved as a rapper. Um, so I figured that he would kind of go the melodic route with party, and yeah, it was it was good. It's something that I'm I'm definitely gonna spin some more. Um, it's it's gonna it's gonna land on one of my one of my R and B playlists. Um, so yeah, just shout out to them for that. I'm, I believe Trippy has a project coming soon. One of your R and B playlists. Yeah, let's speak on that a little bit. So I listened to the song, mm-hmm. and I I thought it was enjoyable to listen to. 
But so you would categorize that as R&B? Not, Trippy is not an R&B artist. I think Party's presence, and I felt like Party kind of carried the record a little bit, makes it an R&B record for me. So you would automatically characterize it as R&B. Really? So to me, when I listened to it, it was, to me it was just a hip hop. It was melodic, you know, hip hops. Like I, I mm-hmm. didn't really think of it as like, oh, this is R and B automatically just because parties on it singing. It's like we expect to, we expect that from a party feature that he's gonna sing, right? Yeah. So that's why I was like, that's why I wanted you to expand upon that. Is like, how right. did you automatically say you're gonna put it on your R and B playlist and categorize it like that? So so and not all right so not that it's like a like 100% certifiable R&B record but it's it's the type of record that I would want to hear when I'm listening to my other R&B music on on my playlist if that if that makes sense okay yeah i yeah. i suppose that makes sense i i just wanted to wanted to clarify there cuz th- to me yeah, that's yeah. not R&B i just yeah. but even hey, man, you know, I, in this current day i it still wouldn't even consider that current R&B but <laughs> alas we just we just keep it moving we'll just keep it moving um, my one. brother we, we will discuss this more at R&B part 2 coming oh, soon yes. coming very soon oh my gosh i'm excited oh man we we had a really fun uh weekend IG live wise um that has also um given us some uh, teased a, a, a potential battle, and then we have another battle coming next weekend. So let's first talk about Luda versus Nelly. Now, N- Nelly's Wi-Fi was making this quite a struggle. <laughs> People were calling him Nelly Riley. Yo. Um, it was, it was. I th- there was a point where I almost gave up. You know, I mean, I had nothing else to do. I was just kind of laying in bed, bored. I was like, "Yo, man, like Nelly, you're not, you're not making this easy." And I, I thought it was me. I ended up refreshing my browser like ten times. I was like, "Yo, like, what's going on? Like, I like, I have perfect connection. I, I don't have anything crazy going on, on my laptop. Like, what's going on?" And then when other people were complaining, I was like, "Okay, so this is Nelly's Wi-Fi." Right. Um, but he finally got it going, and this was, you know, it, it started off slow. Um, I personally felt like Nelly had a clear advantage and then Luda kind of went on a run and he, 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 you know, he, he cleaned it up and how, how, how I described it on Twitter. Cause it, you know, Luda looked like he was just chilling. Like there yeah. was a lot that Luda didn't play. So how, record. how I described it on Twitter is like, Luda's like that guy who pulls up to the pickup game and like shoots a bunch of wild threes and like they happen to go in, like he might still be wearing like his flip flops. And then Nelly, <laughs> Nelly's just the kid who's like happy to be there. He's like happy to be all on the team that's winning. And like, he, he's just, he's just doing whatever. Like Nelly was just happy to hear his records and like hang out with Luda and kind of just celebrate this moment. Cause he, he wasn't, he, he didn't go about it the best way. And it's not like Luda watched him. Like it, like it, it, it was, it wasn't close, but it wasn't a landslide. Like, I don't, you know, I don't really know what the what, what the midpoint. There I think is, the, I think the midpoint for their their situation is like if it wasn't a landslide, it wasn't a total wash. You know what I'm saying? Like I think it was like a clear beat though. But yeah. also at the same time, like Luda came. I think Luda came personally to battle. I don't mm-hmm. think that Nelly came to battle because Nelly was playing deep cuts. You know what I'm saying? Like Nelly yeah. was playing records that like. Okay, maybe if you're familiar with his catalog, and I have to be honest, you know, like we were young when he was coming up, and especially like mm-hmm. his older catalog, so I don't really know his catalog in depth, but I do know Luda's in depth. And so like the stuff that he was playing, he wasn't really playing, I think, to beat to beat um, uh, Luda's records. I think Nelly was just playing stuff that he liked. And at this, <laughs> I saw some tweets, it's like, Nelly playing what he want to hear. Like, he's mm-hmm. not playing anything so far as trying to win a battle. And I think that's what this Versus whole series, for anyone who is not aware, Versus is a series that's kind of been uh, cl- uh, 
curated by Timbaland and Swiss Beats is basically where two artists or two producers, two people come together and they play records back and forth and kind of the public decides who wins. And so they're going back and forth. And that's what we're speaking about. We've been speaking about a lot on this podcast during this uh, quarantine time that, you know, it's all about curation. So some of these battles have kind of been like more of like healing circles, like the Erica and Jill situation. And then other battles have been like actual battles. Jonte Neal was a real battle and the other ones have been uh, battles. And so this one seemed kind of like Luda came ready, but Nelly, it just didn't seem like the way he was, the records he was playing was the battle. But I mean, Nelly got some heat too, and we can't, yeah. we got to give him his flowers. You know, he he's really, really that guy when it comes to crafting that St. Louis sound, giving um, another voice within the South, if you want to say. So and country folk, giving another country folk another voice. So shout out to Nelly yeah. for that. Nah, man, there was, there was a lot of people going in saying, like, Luda was going to, like, absolutely blow him out. I was like, yo, I don't know, man. I, th- I think you guys are forgetting, like, what Nelly has done. And, you know, features is, is a whole other thing. Like, obviously, Luda is, was probably one of the elite feature artists of of the early 2000s. But, like, Nelly got Nelly got some stuff in his bag, too. And he just – he ain't really dig into it in the competitive way. It was more so just the, I'm just having fun. I want to hear what I want to hear way. But it, it was still fun. I, I really enjoyed yeah, this no, one. Yeah, was fun. I, I, I think uh, Neo and Jonte is still the, the the gold standard for for the battles, and then Jill and um, Erica was probably just the most <laughs> spiritual. But 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 this one was cool, and and it was different. So after that, Swizz, you know, Swizz always likes to do his his little recaps uh, on IG Live afterwards. So he was talking to Usher, and he was you know he was like, hey man, you know, there's a lot of people saying Chris Brown or Justin Timberlake for you. What do you feel? And like. I didn't. I couldn't really read what Usher's response was. Like, like he he kept repeating, like you know, Chris Brown is my brother, man. Like you know, like that's 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 my little bro. You know, we really worked together. You know, I felt like I really inspired him and a lot of people. And so you know, like it would be like us paying tribute to each other. And then with Justin Timberlake, I, I couldn't really get a read on it one on it either. But I, I agreed with Swiss Beats in that while I think Usher and Chris Brown would be fun, Usher and Justin Timberlake would be amazing because Justin Timberlake's discography. Like you, you got to consider his hits from In Sync and then Justified, Future Sex, uh, Love Sounds, Twenty Twenty Experience. Like J- Justin would would really give Usher a battle, and I, I do think Usher would win, but I think Justin would give a, a much closer battle than people give credit for. But I saw some opinions where some people felt like we shouldn't invite Justin to this cookout, and that it would be gentrification. And like we're making it easy for them to gentrify us. So I want your take one on you know Usher versus Chris Brown, Usher JT. But I also want your take on if inviting Justin to 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 do a versus is make it easy for people to gentrify our culture. So in relation to the Usher situation, I was having this conversation. I don't know if you saw on Twitter. I was having a conversation with my cousin. Shout out Ari. Uh, we were having a discussion about like who is Usher's equal in any sort of way. In mm-hmm. our community, the only person that I truly believe that even remotely comes close with into the community that services the community is Breezy. Everyone mm. else, it, it's just it, the gap is so far. Usher's been doing this since he was a teenager. Like, you know, he's right. been doing this since, for a very long time, giving us quality, classic music since that time. So, like, even mm-hmm. though people, you know, people, a lot of people like to say that in the early 2010s, around that time when he was experimenting with the pop and all that stuff, like in the EDM that you know he kind of fell off and whatnot and a lot of people didn't like the uh zaytoven collab album like a lot of things like people say he had like sort of a gap where he wasn't really doing his thing and my argument was that the music that we service even though justin services a larger community 
I think uh, Justin's music in that time serviced that gap where Usher wasn't so far as like, you know, as on <coughs> top as he was, you know, and everyone yeah. goes through that because they're trying new things. Life happens, whatever happens. Um, Usher Chris Brown. So Usher Chris Brown, I think that that would be a fun ballad. It would be more like a community. Let's hang out and listen to their records. There's no, mm-hmm. to me, it's not really a battle. Breezy's going to mm-hmm. play hits, right? And that's, he's a hit machine. We know that. Mm-hmm. Usher will win. But yeah. that, to me, that's like <laughs> so far as the magnitude of the records. Because within when we're talking about the culture, it's all about how like where the records take you. You know, like Usher yeah. can play, you remind me of a girl. Like, and people, the comments are going to go crazy. And then Breezy can throw on Take You Down. Comments are going to go crazy. But like mm-hmm. if they're trying to battle back and forth, you know, I, I still think so far as like discography goes, Usher, Usher is going wins. to win off impact alone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, quality. Especially, yeah. So, I mean, Chris has, has and they also came kind of in different times. You know what I'm saying? They service different right. audiences. And that's the whole point. Usher was saying about, you know, Breezy being his younger bro. Like, that's true. I mean, like, the way they um, kind of came in the industry was at different times. And so, I'm I'm excited uh, for that. That would be cool for me. But I think the battle would be more of a JT, Usher JT situation. Yeah. Now, let's get into that part. Usher JT. I think Usher would win, but Mm -hmm. it wouldn't, there would be a stretch there. It's based purely on curation. Like Justin Mm will be able to give him like a grunt for his money as Usher plays certain records. But I think so far as the community goes, some people don't know Justin's discography the way they know Usher's discography because of the community element to it. Now, I don't necessarily feel that it's like gentrification because we have to remember Justin got his sound from us. Justin got his sound from Pharrell, and he got his sound from Timbo. Timbo. Pharrell and Timbo. Like, (laughs) period. Pharrell and Timbo gave Justin his sound. They gave him his notoriety today. People cannot say that, jack that, and change it in any other way. If it was not for Pharrell, the Neptunes, and Timberland, Justin would not be Justin the way he is today, and he would not deserve the respect and have his his all-access pass to the cookout that he has. Mm -hmm. And so... I find it interesting that people are kind of bringing up the point of like, oh, bringing him in here is going to mess up the whole situation. I mean, if you want to put Usher on the table, who else is going to battle him? No one in our community can even battle and for it to be a battle. Like him and Chris Brown would be a fun thing. You know what I'm saying? It's not mm-hmm. no battle. We know who's winning. I think Justin and him could be sort of a battle situation. But yeah, I think it is. It's it's going to. So then why did they say that about Scott Storch? You know what I'm saying? Like, why That's say, exactly what I was gonna say. So it's like, it's like, why didn't y'all say that about Scott Storch? That's really interesting to me. So yeah. I don't know. What do you think about it? Yeah, and and I guess like the only thing they could say is like, oh, it's different. Like Scott is is, is the producer behind the records. Like he wasn't the one performing them. We don't hear him in the battle. But I, I don't know. I, I I just feel like it's it's very weird picking and choosing because like as you said, Timbo created Justin Timberlake sound. It's not like jt is starting his own versus platform and and calling it battle and then trying to like you know go against justin bieber or something like you know there are people within our community who are asking for justin timberlake to battle him and and if it's something that timbo and swiss who are organizing versus want to see then like it's 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 very different there so yeah i don't know I, i just think purely on a music level like thinking about it like you got usher my way 8701 confessions versus justified future sex love sounds 2020 there's a bunch of hits just in those alone and then you go to the features like 
that battle would be nuts. I don't know if 20 records would, would be enough for them. So that's something I would, I would like to see. Uh, it would, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, JT's response. We haven't heard anything from him right. yet. Um, but it seems like Usher's down. I, I, was, I was really weirded out by his reaction. Like he, he didn't like jump up and say like, I'm down for the smoke. Like this, this next guy, these next guys did Buster, Buster Rhymes and Snoop Dogg who will be battling next weekend. Uh, they're they're about it. Like Swizz asked Buster, and within like five seconds, he's like, "Yeah, I'm I'm definitely here for the smoke. You give me Snoop, you give me Fat Joe." So um, that, that's gonna be really fun. You know, it's it's West Coast, right? Versus East Coast, which me- means you know the bias is gonna come in, and especially the them you know uh, being really popular around the '90s and the early 2000s when regionalism was a lot more of a thing in in music. I felt so. Th- this will be really 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 interesting, and it's gonna take. A lot of people back. Um, if you had to to guess, um, and you know, if if, if your answer is going to be affected by bias, that's completely fine. Uh, I'm about who, to say you already know who, who I, you, you already know who I'm giving it to. Uncle Snoop, baby, come on. That's to uh, me. That's a. It's not a no brainer, but I mean, Bust is mm-hmm. one of the greatest to ever do it. We know that. Right. But Snoop, yeah. but that's why Snoop made it. Like people, you, I said, watch documentaries and stuff about Snoop. People say like, no one was on that type of smooth, cool gangster energy. Like. People would be in concerts, you know, yelling and screaming and going crazy, jumping around. And Snoop was like, one, two, they get to the, you know, coming just very yeah. smooth. Just like, I'm going to give you that, nephew. But don't, don't. Like, listen to, if you even listen to, like, you know, his smash record, Beautiful. Like, you know, the way he's just rapping over the verses and just, uh, it's just, mm, Snoop is, uh, I love Snoop's flow, man. Snoop's flow enough to me is like, that's why he made it. Um, and of course he got bars too, but yeah, Snoop, I think obviously me being a West coast person, I'm a little biased <laughs> there. However, yeah. I think bus is going to be like, they're going to be giving each other a run. It's going to mm-hmm. be interesting to see, like, because their music was popping around the same time, you know, like you said, the regionalism, everything. Um, yeah. and they're also just, inherently different rappers they're the way they rap is so different but i'm excited to uh hear what they got to come you know that's that's gonna be a real fun one i think for the community yeah absolutely i i I actually also think snoop has the edge um i think busta again it's gonna be the regionalism bust has bust has a lot of anthems for like new yorkers and like east coast people that oh yeah like yeah now they're gonna go crazy for it but then snoop on the West Coast has that same representation. You know, Snoop's catalog is nuts. Snoop's got a lot of hits. Busta has what I would call anthems and jams and bops, and he's he, he's got a solid catalog too. So I think it'll be a really really fun battle, and I'm looking forward to it. That said, brother, what are you sipping on? Well, this morning, I of course during quarantine, I'm not accessible to all the teas that I normally be drinking. Yes, people, I be drinking the teas that I be talking about. Dang man, people be trying to try me. But anyways, um. <laughs> I'm sipping on some English breakfast. I had a big old box of it. So English breakfast. Yes, I know I've had it before, but I'm, you know, this is a quarantine. We're trying to be resourceful. So I'm using my resources. So I'm sipping on some English breakfast. Great tea gets you going in the morning. Some people substitute it for coffee, but our half and half for this week is coming from NPR. This is without live music, a new commission fund seeks to help jazz artists. This is by Bo Hamby is from their morning edition. This is their podcast. So in this whole quarantine time, we've been talking about a lot of different artists and different people trying to contributing to the live, the, the artists and the, the subset of music culture that depend highly upon live venues and live performance. 
for those who don't know, the jazz community, literally that is where they make their bread and butter is through live performances. Of course, they are some of the top musicians you'll ever see and hear in your lifetime because they are the people who develop in their craft towards one instrument most of the time. And so they make a lot of their money from performing because there's a lot of jazz festivals in the summer. It's just a time for them to make their money and go on tour um, because jazz record sales typically are of the lower next to kind of classical music. So it's one of those art forms that they really have to get outside and go push it. And that's uh, that's the unfortunate thing about this time is that they have been suffering heavily, uh, taking heavy losses as a community who highly, highly depends upon um, live performances. So there uh, is this thing called the Jazz Coalition. So basically, um, it is a group of jazz artists who's come together, um, most notably Bryce Rosenblum, who is the one, uh, one of the founders. He's had the interview with NPR, but they're basically talking about um, coming together to create a coalition that the way it works is that artists are nominated by the coalition members. Um, then they're selected by like a, a sort of a jury of their peers. So they can receive a thousand dollar commission grants to create new work. So it basically puts them to new work, but they have to audition to receive this grant to do work. So the commission recipients will be featured on the jazz coalition website, social media messaging and announcements. So uh, it's really interesting to see how this happens because what they were talking about in the interview, when I listened to it, uh, it wasn't necessarily an interview, but, you know, just sort of, yeah, I guess an interview. When I was listening to it, is they're, they're saying, obviously, they know, like, $1,000 isn't going to do anything or make a dent so far as, you know, them paying and living their lifestyle or, you know, paying for any expenses or anything like that. But this is more so aimed at helping morale and trying to make that important because, you know, a lot of... Imagine imagine if, you know, you spend your whole year waiting for the summer or for the time you to go outside and just tour and tour and make all your money for one time of the year. And then that now that's gone away. So they're really focused on making sure that these people uh, have something to look forward to. That's why they're giving them a thousand dollars to create work. And then what's going to happen is once they create these work and these commissions, they want to. What the Bryce Rosenblum was saying is that they want to create a new canon of music. So once everything opens back up, the people who were commissioned to create these pieces are all going to come around and perform these pieces at different venues. And so as it's kind of like a community thing, everyone coming together within the jazz community. So it's really interesting. I wanted to kind of sh- sh- uh, share and highlight this. They've already raised over seventy thousand dollars for this effort. So shout out them. This is, I just want to kind of you know talk about stories that people we probably don't hear in the popular culture often. And so mm-hmm. this is a subset of the community who's trying to work and rally together to create something that gets people moving and going as well as giving them something to look forward to. So there's, uh, we got to have fine things to look forward to in this COVID era. So shout out to the jazz coalition, making this thing happen. Yeah. Facts. All right. Let us jump into the slide deck. The best song wasn't the single. All right. Um, let's start with yours, brother. What you would you bring for us today? I got some heat for y'all today, and it's gonna be very, very musical. This is from the savant himself, Jacob Collier. He's twenty five years old, but you would swear the man is about forty compared to his knowledge. He is just he's one of those people who were just put on this planet to make music, and just he's just interesting. So this is all I need by Jacob Collier. Featuring Mahalia and Ty Dolla Sign, produced by Jacob Collier. Mm-hmm. 
Every time I think about it, can't stop thinking about it. Man, I be trying. I be trying to expose y'all to some good stuff. You know what I'm saying? That real stuff. You hear me? No. Um. <laughs> yeah. So that that's. Uh, I really like that record. Uh, of course. I've, I mean, I'm familiar with Jacob Collier. He's really, really great instrumentalist. He kind of made his name doing those kind of like multi-cut videos where he would like reharmonize. Reharmonize means like redo or kind of remix, um, for lack of a better word, remix. Uh, fame. Uh, popular songs or songs that he liked and do really just crazy musical adaptations of it. He's a multi-instrumentalist. He plays every instrument on the world in the planet at a high level. So like he's really one of those crazy people. Um, that's him singing on that. He produces all of his records too. Uh, but he's been working with more like popular artists. Uh, he's worked with Daniel Caesar. He's worked with Kimbra. He's worked, he's working with Mahalia and Ty Dollar. Like, you know, mm-hmm. so he gets that respect from a lot of the musicians in the industry. And so I'm glad to see him as an artist starting to work. You know, Quincy Jones is the one who co-signed him. So that's that's just to give you a little bit of depth about who he is as an artist. Um, so go listen to Jacob Collier if you have a moment. Um, the only thing I wanted that record, I wish he would change the snare because I wanted a little more like a more uh, pop-ish. But anyway, that's an aside. That's okay. a production thing. <laughs> so what you got, Armand? Hey, man, you know, you're not going to like everything. Um, <laughs> I got Afraid by my guy, Xavier Omar. This is produced by Business Boy. Tipping bitches 
See, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. Like current R and B. I was talking to you know who I was talking to about <laughs> the state of R and B. Shout out DeAndre. And we were discussing how like if current R&B artists, they got to show, like, show that you are a singer. Give me some real harmony. Show me some mm-hmm. melodies, some stacks. Do some do some stuff. Show me that you got it, right? Like, mm-hmm. Xavier Omar, to me, is a perfect example. I don't know if he produces at all, but this is a perfect example of someone in current R&B who is raising, trying to raise the bar, however, while staying modern, right? Mm-hmm. So he's using production elements that sound sort of you know current r&b but it's a little different the snare is a little different it's not the typical clap or r&b snare i mean or like a trap and b snare or anything like that it's a little different you've heard that snare before if you listen but like you've heard that one before but the way it's adapted here now is different his pen please like Mm y'all have to listen to the pen the pen Mm -hmm. he's kind of starts off you know he's catching the rhythm it's very more rhythmic have a few few notes in the melody and then he comes to the afraid part and then the hook and he just he just elevates the song, man. Snap. Gives us harmonies. <laughs> give us give us some something, y'all. Like y'all just, and also R and B people, people listeners. You if you consider yourself an R and B listeners, please, please stop giving these people such passes so easily. Yes, the song has a vibe, whatever. But it's music. It's supposed to have a vibe. Duh. Like it's music. It's supposed to have a vibe. So stop taking just vibe over vocals. People, <laughs> Xavier. Thank you, thank you, sir. This is what we need to hear from current R&B. This is what I want to hear, okay? So all y'all who just listen, oh, it has a vibe. Blah, blah, blah. You got it. No, 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 no. Go listen to someone who has the vibe that you're speaking of and is giving you vocals. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I, w- I will agree with you that Xavier Omar does an amazing job at uh, his vocal production, well, whether it's him, whether there's someone in there with him kind of helping uh, through that. The the stacks, the harmonies, they're, they're amazing. And he's also just a really great singer, so that gives him a lot more flexibility uh, with what he can do. And, yeah, that, that record's dope. I, I listen to it every day. Um, I've become a really big fan of his this past year, so I'm excited to see what he does. And he he actually performed in that Escape Tracks uh, festival yes, he did. Um, that, that we that we shared uh, over the weekend. So shout out to him. Um, but yeah, if you guys want to catch these slides and all the other slides, hit the slide deck playlist on all platforms. Send us some slides as well at Stay Busy Pod on Instagram and Twitter, or Stay Busy Pod at gmail.com. My brother, are you ready for the board meeting? You know, I love board meetings. Cool. I think this will be very uh, productive. (laughs) Uh, All right. So let's jump into it. Um, Today, my brother uh, threw threw a topic at me um, and the the title is It Sounds the Same. And his his sub point is, you know, how production influences the sound of, of, of an era. Now, as as we know, the songwriters, the lyricists, the performers on records are very important but you don't have a song without production unless you're just performing acapella um and so these are people who we have you know strive to give their flowers more um over the course of, of this last decade really you know producers have been have been getting paid you know we've seen some producers start their own labels and and they're really carving out a space for themselves outside of being the people, you know, behind the scenes who might get a tag on a song here and there. So um, I think this would be a really, really interesting discussion. So uh, first first question we want to throw out is um, what is what is the role of a producer to you, brother? OK, so the role of a producer to me, it is and I want to say this carefully. 
it's all of these things, but not limited to. However, you should have certain amount of these things to be able to call yourself a producer, right? Okay. So producing can be literally bringing, um, it's kind of overseeing. So like an executive producer on a project, they oversee the project from a creative standpoint. Maybe they're playing on the project. Maybe they are making beats, whatever they're doing to create the sound and the production of a band. So they can bring in band members and say, oh, we need bass on this song. Let's go find a bass player. Oh, we need a drummer. We need a drummer. Let's bring them in. Oh, let's go get this right vocalist. They work heavily and closely, I believe, with the A&Rs of the project for the artist to make that happen, right? So executive producing is executing the overall creative vision as well as the musical vision of a project. They have varying roles. They can gather ideas, collaborate with artists, of course, um, making original songs or whatnot. And then they also work with the artists to improve the songs, the arrangements, and the lyrics, as well mm-hmm. as the vocal performances. A lot of your so favorite... Oh, what? Sorry. You said what? No, I was, I was going to say, so So there are like various types of producers and they're kind of like sub subtitles within that, that, that umbrella of production. Yes. And I think that for generally, like certain producers who kind of tout themselves as like, you know, I'm like a top producer, I'm doing this and then third. Unfortunately, I can't, I'm not in the studio with them to see what exactly they're doing on records. Right. But there, I think, are a lot of big name producers who are calling themselves producers who should really be calling themselves either musicians, instrumentalists, beat makers, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And because I believe production, from a certain era of R&B, production was about the holistic definition that i kind of explained of being able to do all of the parts coach the artist come up with the music source the musicians doing all these sort of things that was important to making the record happen and really to me earning the title of a producer a Mm -hmm. great example i can think of you know the class produced like we talked about dark child earlier we talked about brian michael cox right yeah and so brian michael cox is a man who can kind of do all of it right but when he was working Mm -hmm. he's worked heavily with jante um, and so he would make the beat. Jonte would write it. You know what I'm saying? That's one element of a producer. But he, I'm sure he also was giving input to the artist. Of, okay, this is how we want to do it. This is how I want to sing. Back then, producers had to do a little bit more to be earning the title of a producer because they were in the studio with the artist. Everything was kind of like it was more in front and in person. And when we were right. talking about that, uh, that discussion with, that Dark Child had with uh, when he had it with. Uh, Brian Michael Cox, he was talking about the first time he met Mary J and how that mm-hmm. whole situation was, is that they were wherever they were. They brought him in to play beats and they had, I guess, had a bunch of producers playing beats for Mary. And so, like, it was kind of like a waiting list. Like, All right, next, next, next. And he got in there and he put, started playing her stuff. And she was like, dope. So she whispered to her A&R and then they say, yo, Mary wants you to stay with her for the next like week. So they locked in and it was all about in that discussion when they were playing the records that he worked on with Mary, um, which was, I believe, uh, I can pull up those in a second here. But when they were working on those records, they were talking about, Brian was asking, so how did you get her to do that vocal? How did, you know, when you guys were talking about the lyrics, like he was asking stuff that's outside of necessarily what we would say the traditional role of just making the music. He was like, okay, Mm -hmm. so when you gave Mary this part, like how did y'all arrange that so that it sounded like this? You know what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. it was truly like making sure the holistic record was done. It wasn't just I made the beat and I'm the producer. Here it is. You know, give me my production credit. And so mm-hmm. I think 
nowadays, maybe it's because of the accessibility that anyone can just get a computer and make music and then quote unquote call himself a producer. It's like I was talking mm. to one of my friends a while back and he's like, you know, I'm wary. He's a great, you know, musician and makes a lot of stuff. Shout out to Brendan. Um, but he was like, you know, I kind of shy back from calling myself a producer because it's like, well, what have I produced? I haven't worked with an artist. I haven't made a project for an artist. Um, mm. And so he's like, right now, you know, I just kind of make music, call myself a creator and a musician. And I have music that I would like to work to. He said, I can't necessarily call myself a producer because who have I produced? What artists have I produced? What if someone says, oh, you're a producer or oh, what have you done? I can't I can't tell nobody nothing. You know what I'm saying? Just making a beat necessarily is not being a producer. And I think that a lot of older people in this gener uh, older generations have a gripe with our current state of R&B right now and music in general is that we can hear that the production uh, is only one element. There's not necessarily vocal production. There's not like people aren't taking the time to holistically like judge the artistry. And that is, of course, you know, that is it's not a problematic statement, but that can be, you know, of course, broken down in a lot of different ways because obviously you weren't in the studio. You weren't in the studio with them. You don't know how many drafts this song went through. To, we only hear the final version as consumers. We always only hear that. And yeah. so um, we never know how difficult. But sometimes you, when you compare certain records, even produced by similar people, not similar people because they would obviously keep that same level of production. When you hear similar sounding records, you can hear from earlier 2000s to kind of now you hear like dang like the vocals were just so crazy here they were challenged they moved they had arrangements they had real like they had bridges they had different sections and stuff like that and then you hear now it's like dang it's kind of like just one loop maybe a breakdown a drop down whatever it is a cool filter swooping over but like for, for those who don't know filters like the underwater sound people saw like the drake sound or whatever that like underwater sound <clears throat> doing that yeah and so I'm 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 chatting a lot here, but I'm putting the no, points I'm putting cool. the I'm putting the points out there so we can kind of get into it further. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, is that the sound now? Or is that what we're going for? And I think that it's, we need to raise the bar, regardless of what the sound is. I think we need to raise the bar and be more critical and create holistic musical productions because a lot of that stuff that was coming from the early 2000s, 90s, and whatnot is standing the test of time to today. Because mm -hmm. the stuff was truthfully arranged and produced at a high level. Right. Yeah. No, um, I think um, I, it's definitely a, a generational thing. I think we have really made minimalism very popular. And so it's made you know music very accessible for a lot of people to just make YouTube type beats and get on YouTube and, you know, sell beat packs like that and not necessarily be in the studio with artists and helping them to arrange things and structuring verses and stuff like that. You know, I, I think, I think even R&B to an extent, there are a lot of artists who are operating like rappers have where they've, you know, just collected beats from producers. Like, you know, not every rapper is really locked in with one producer. So because people are kind of working with this, this uh, salad bowl of, of different producers and, and different beats, you know, it kind of more so like, like the artists kind of have to establish their own identity in, in a way. And so producers are kind of just this like free agency pool almost where it's like, all right, yo, I, I need you for three records on my album. And then I, I need you, you know? And so some producers can kind of find, find their way to stand out, but um, th it's still kind of like, they're falling behind and and maybe still not getting as much acclaim as as the artists and and the, the, there are some really big producers who really defined uh sounds throughout generations if we look at the early 2000s neptunes 
uh, Timbaland, Just Blaze, Scott Storch, and Manny Fresh, who who uh, a bunch of them have have all done battles. You know, they they really defined that that early two thousands New York uh, boom bap. You know, working with Hove um, type sound, and then you know Scott Storch and Manny Fresh were more influential in the South, working with Lil Wayne, and you know Scott Storch would link up with with Khaled and Khaled's bunch of artists that 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 he was working with and then in, in the 2010s you know we've got metro Boomin, who's really big right now mike will made it sunny digital Southside, mustard 40 boy wonder hit boy um what's his name uh he he used to go by youngberg and now he uh hit, hit maker hit maker he has he's become huge um within this latter half of the decade working a lot with ty dollar sign believe he produced a bunch of songs for for meek mill as well and then and then there's a bunch of other producers obviously but it it definitely does feel you know very very different there's the uh, one there's a lot more big name producers out here i mean you know we we can go to take heath um and then the the their older producers who are still doing the thing mad lib and um and yeah it's like that there are a lot more now so it, it it feels it feels different and because there are a lot of people who might not necessarily be challenging themselves production wise um there are a lot of there are a lot of producers who can kind of just get off doing the same type of thing that that everyone else is doing and just operating with, within a beat maker space um but 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 that's that's true i mean one thing that that you know and I'm, I'm one of the people who kind of hates these these generational arguments of oh the music back then is just so much better and you know and it it, it might be but i i definitely agree that a, a better way to put it is the the arrangement the amount of detail and just how how much time and effort people put into it and then that really comes with linking with these producers in person you know you bring up brian michael cox and i'm thinking of when he was working with did day 26 on making the band who happens to come up again he but created like, their he sound would, literally yeah like he, he would be in there with them like not just handing them lyrics but like as you know they're rec- recording verses stopping them like yo like like you got to put more tonation here or oh yo like nah you shouldn't do this verse you should be in there like he was literally in there with them coaching them through the entire record and and you can kind of hear in the in the music these days. I'm, I'm sure Nick can agree. Like you can kind of tell when someone just got a beat and like kind of just rapped on it, like yes. or, or like a feature was was mailed in. Like yeah, you know, certain songs feel like they were in the studio together and they kind of created this moment. Um, and that's why me personally, uh, with DJ Khaled's last album, um, and just to bring him up because I I think he gets a lot of slack as someone who people are like, yo, he doesn't produce, how, how is he producer? But, you know, he's, he, he kind of operates as an A&R connecting, connecting these artists. He's, he's in the studio with them. Like you saw in his documentary, he was there with Nipsey when Nipsey recorded his, his, his verse to hire. And, you know, and yes, he, he, he may not be crafting the sound, but Khaled still has a really good ear and he knows, uh, he's known how to put certain artists together to sound really good. His last album he put out, I didn't necessarily feel that. I, I think it was fought, father Versad, yeah father Versad, yeah yeah that that one that there were a lot of misses there um you know if and you know he always kind of does that where he links up these these big artists together but i don't know there was just something just missing there for me he's i mean Um, Khaled is a producer people also got to understand too how is he producer like what do you mean he's doing literally what producing is is like getting people together and making records happen. He may source a beat. He works with like, this, I think he's got in Ben Billions a lot, but like he works with a lot of people um, mm-hmm. 
and he gets these, you know, he sources the music and everything like that. And then he makes the records happen. I'm yeah. sure he like that's producing and people don't understand that, that that is an element of producing. So it's like mm-hmm. not just making the beat is producing. You can't just limit it to that, you know. So, yeah, uh, continue your point there. And, and Khaled has also made beats in the past. I, I think a lot of people don't don't realize this, which is why I do think it's so important to reread credits. Like, you know, like I, whenever I, I really love a song, I, I one of the first things I do is go to see like, yo, who produced this? Like, that's just that's just very natural for me. And so like Khaled has has produced in the past and he's not one of the most amazing beat makers, but he's got that ear. He was a DJ in the past, so he knows what people want to hear. And that's kind of why it makes sense that he makes these anthemic bop type stadium records because he, he has a history in being a DJ and kind of getting people hype in that way. Exactly. But, you know, someone else who we really love, Diddy, he, he admitted uh, in, in an interview with Oprah, like, I, I don't play an instrument. I never went to school for music production, but I know exactly how a song should sound and how to give an artist direction. And that's just a, a, a talent that, that I believe that, you know, he was born with. Some people are just born knowing how to make really good music and kind of knowing what it should sound like. But, but Diddy is also a, a savant, you know, uh, you know, we talked about how he worked with Andre Harrell and, you know, he, he, he linked up with certain people who brought their own talents to the table and he was able to kind of help them craft their sound. And Diddy has also produced in the past as well. Again, he, he might not have been one of the most amazing producers, but if you look at his catalog of artists that he's given us and hits that he's been a part of, Diddy knows how, how to put a good song together. Exactly. And that is part of what production is. And that's why, I mean, to this day, that's why we're listening to a lot of his music from when he first got started in early times of Bad Boy is because the production quality was so much effort and attention. And I think that's what we're kind of revealing in this discussion is that because way back then people were really like in, you know, people got in with people and they were in the sessions and they were all most of the time together. And it wasn't just, you know, sending the files and copying, and pasting and just putting the vocals on top and then keeping going, you know, like it seemed really like people were crafting the thing from the ground up together. And maybe that, you know, just kind of like is a, is a sort of the sign of the times. Um, but at the same time, that's, I think it's very much so affecting the sound. And I just want to go like a quick reference of when we were talking about mm-hmm. like, you know, the producers creating the sound and the sounds you know, transitioning from time through time is uh, very interesting. I was watching a masterclass of uh, Max Martin. Max Martin is a very, very famous producer in pop. It's kind of like one of those guys, like if you want to transition to pop and do pop, you got to kind of work with Max Martin, Katy Perry, Pink, Britney Spears, Backstreet, Sync, uh, The Weeknd, uh, let's say Ariana Grande, like Grandy. <laughs> all, all of these people all um, have worked with him. And he's kind of like one of those guys in pop. You got to work with him. Um, he's worked with Usher, too. So, I mean, uh, he was talking about when his sound and this is kind of when pop and rock were the predominant sound in America and in the popular culture. He was on top. He was really doing his thing. And then he felt like. Um, not in a shaded way. He was like, man, Pharrell came in here and he felt like he like he ruined my career because the sound that the Neptunes brought was so unique and so amazing that they sort of took over. And there was something where they said like 60% of the most popular music at the time was produced by the Neptunes. Like it was nice. one of those situations like on the Billboard charts, like 60% was produced by them, which is just unbelievable to think about so far as the sheer volume and quality. That means everyone was wanting their beats and everyone was selecting their beats and getting on them and they were still produced at a high level. That's what I'm saying. Um, so maybe that's just a sign of the times is that like as things move and change that 
the way we produce records has probably been the most significant factor in changing the sound. And yeah. it's kind of <clears> like, so how do we get back to not even getting back to, but how do we within the certain confines of where we, how we work now, how do we get back to spending that attention to detail and that time and crafting these records that we really want? So, um, I don't know. It's, it's maybe it's one of those questions. It's like, what what do we do so far as making sure that the the art and not that music is bad nowadays. Yeah. It's not bad, but I think there is this kind of like you said that obvious levels were like he just sent him this beat and he just kind of rapped on this, you know. And yeah, and this obviously this is for listeners who are listening to that sort of in that level, you know, that we're listening to say like, did that really fit? Did his sound fit on this whole project? You know, I don't know. I'm just we're just yeah. kind of like working our and way like. Through. And that there are some songs that mailed in still sound really good. Like we know Sicko Mode was mailed in, and that song is incredible. You know, uh, Cardi B's song with Meek Mill on uh, Champions uh, Championships. I forget what it's called. Uh, on me, like that was clearly mailed in, and like it's really good. Like you can get some good stuff out of that. But that's just kind of kind of the times, you know. Unfortunately, whether people like it or not, like you know, music is gonna evolve and change, and it's gonna be for the better to some, and it's gonna be for the worse to others. Like now, you can, you know, be in in your bedroom at home, never go outside. You can write your raps, you can produce your raps, you can record your raps, you can mix your raps, and then you can put your raps out. You can put out whole projects and right. you know, make money off streams at least from your bedroom. You know, you got to get outside and perform and stuff. But there's so much independence now in in music like from from the top all the way down you know we see j cole has self-produced a lot of his career uh royce the five nine he just produced his entire last album the allegory and he talks about how you know i'm not the best producer but it's not about making the best beat it's about making the right beat you know for me russ does everything himself quavo produces himself so there are even a lot of rappers who are taking on the, the 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 production thing because there's there's that with with working with other people in music you know even if you have a creative relationship you still ha- have to rely on someone you know someone and someone might not deliver what you want every single time um so it, it kind of gets difficult in that regard and so you nick as as a you know someone who identifies as an r&b soul singer you know you do also produce for yourself so i was i was interested in you know for you does self-producing make the process more difficult for you or does it make it easier since it's all on you you know exactly what what you want to hear like how how things are arranged like I'm, I'm really interested in that process yeah so i mean as a as someone who is i i can say i'm a producer because i self-produce um i've done that for myself and i've co-produced on certain things is it does it it's kind of a it's not a blessing and a curse because uh, not a curse at all because it's it's a, actually a skill set that I'm so glad <laughs> I have because it makes me sort of independent. And I think that's what m- might be affecting the way we hear things nowadays is like are artists even receptive to hearing, you know, a producer come in and kind of craft the, the sound and tell them, oh, try it like this or doing like that. Like, I don't feel like artists nowadays are even receptive to that sort of coaching and critique because everyone kind of is doing their own thing and making it happen on their own. It's like, do mm-hmm. I really need that? But I think, and a lot of times, I think it's affecting the sound and the quality of the records. But anyways, back to myself, I think it does help me being able to produce the beat, being able to come up with music ideas, play the instruments on it, and then execute it You know, at the level that I'm executing it at. I still, though, I benefit from having a producer that I work with, Prime, shout out Prime at Levels, 
when I'm in the studio with him, he does provide that critique and say, you know, give me a little more of this. Give me a little more emotion. Uh, Act like, you know, act like she just walked out, man. Act like she just kicked you in the chest. Like, you know, he gives (laughs) me sort of these, like, these, you know, little cultural moments. And I think that that really helps me get the best vocal out of the production. Um, And I think that a lot of artists, because a lot of artists who are self-produced or whatnot, they're recording themselves or, I think a lot of times too, these big artists like you know, everyone has a huge ego too. So you have to have a, a equal or greater producer sort of with the the repertoire to come in there and like tell them you know how they should be articulating the record. And I think especially within hip hop, it's kind of like I think it's similar to how you write in your own rhymes is that you come up with your own conviction and how you say those rhymes. You know, as much as it is giving you credit for writing it is as giving yourself like the credit of how you delivery. So that's why we even use delivery as a metric in gauging how great a rapper is. And right. I think when it comes to singers, singers do need a little more coaching because like, yeah, you can be singing and sounding good, but shoot, are you making me feel something? You know what I'm saying? I think that's yeah. why like, when you think about like Kendrick, Sometimes when he goes into his different pockets and his different voices, when he goes into that, like the voice and the yeah. sound like that, <laughs> it, it, it may not be, the, you know, it sounds good because it's like it's making you feel. And so I benefit and personally I'm grateful for as an artist, I like having that sort of coaching or people in there who I trust their ear to kind of give me that feedback in the moment. And you can't take everyone's feedback because everyone brings their own personal biases and whatnot, especially in those creative moments where you're making something happen and it's not finished yet and you're still trying out ideas. But I think it's beneficial to have people who are trying to get the best out of you and kind of because you're in your own head when you've created, you know how you want it to sound. Or most times, you know how you want it to sound. You kind of hear the delivery of whatnot. But like someone else gives you that objective perspective. Well, not objective, but they haven't they don't know you. They didn't write it with you. They didn't write the record with you. So they're hearing it as you're delivering it so they can give you more like uh, the way you meant that line doesn't really sound like that. So like either make it sound like that more or kind of think about how the conviction happens in the story. And that sort of dialogue back and forth is really, really like, it's quite, um, how do you say, like priceless to have that feedback right then and there. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of uh, the way I, at least I know the way a lot of sessions work nowadays is that if you have an artist in the studio, they most of the time go to these big studios and you have engineers who are there just on site or whatever. And this is really dependent upon the artist, but that most of the time the engineers are just there just capturing the moment. They're just, yeah. you know, and a lot of artists like to talk down to engineers, which makes no sense to me because engineers like have some of the best ears in the industry and it doesn't make any sense. Like, you might um, be the most important person. Right. <laughs> they might be the most, without the engineer, it doesn't really happen at the flow that you want it to. Like, that's why really a lot of people stick with their engineer because they have a flow with them. That matters. And mm-hmm. it, it'll affect the sound <clears throat> of the record. And so, um, a lot of times you see engineers, they're just quiet. They're like quiet church mouses in the, in these sessions because like artists be talking down to them or don't want to hear from them. And they, you know, they'd be, talk, why is this not working? Like, well, find me somebody you can. Like I saw a thing with, uh, uh, the baby, he was talking down to this engineer. I'm like, why? What are you doing, bro? <laughs> like, the engineer is the one who makes it happen, regardless if you want it or not. And so, like, that's that creates an environment in a session where I don't think it's collaborative because everyone in there, uh, it's kind of how credits work. A lot of people who are in the room get a credit um, if they're you know related to like producing the record. And so, it, it's just one of those situations. And obviously, this is not the case for every every session. You know, there's a lot of sessions where people are having productive working you know collaboration but um engineers are really important to the sound and i think having people in the room with you while you're creating is just it's it's priceless Mm -hmm. so yeah 
Yeah, and I think, you know, I think a lot of maybe independent artists won't think like, ah, I should get a vocal producer or I should get someone who can help me in this way. I think it's kind of maybe one of the benefits of being at a label where they can provide you with with these resources, which is another uh, unfortunate barrier in the in the music industry is <clears throat> you can obviously get more when you're associated with you know someone who has more so i think uh that that also pl- plays a big part in it you know s- someone like like yourself you might only be able to connect with, with an engineer and, and and a beat maker or make your own stuff but um you know well you you, you obviously connected you you know people and you've been able to do your thing but like you know someone else in your position might not might only be able to to reach out so far and do so much so um yeah yeah but all of this to say production is very very multifaceted um it's not just having fruity loops or um whatever those those other programs are i forget the names right now um there there have some been some really influential people within the industry who haven't been just the beat makers but they've been the the brains behind uh some really big songs so there is there is um, a way in which you, you can you can access the industry and be be impactful and create someone's sound without being uh, the person performing on the record or the person creating the beat behind the record, um, or you you can do it all like Metro or Swiss Beats. Um, so yeah, this was a a good good board meeting. Um, that said, bulletin board, what we got what we got going on, brother. So we have uh, this is an event that I came across. Shout out Yano! I just be following Yano and the stuff that he be doing, <laughs> um, and seeing what he's what he be on. Um, there's this event called Holding Space, and apparently it's happening every Thursday in May. It's Zoom mm-hmm. calls um, on at KJ4Y his IG. Check out his IG for the link. Mm. Basically, it's like I think it's like a I think this is mental awareness, mental health awareness month or something like that. Mm. Um, yes. And so they're having like spaces where people come on, and I believe there is a licensed therapist who is on there who is speaking to people. Um, and they say no other agency good and uh, no other agency good energy and pretty mental. Those are the the companies that are partnering with this event. And so um, yeah, if y'all need somebody to talk to or just want to hear people talking about things that y'all may be experiencing through this time, go on to Holding Space and check out at KJ four wise ig so other than that stay tuned for uh this week coming up we got snoop and busta um, mm-hmm. most time that's on saturday nights and they pick the time they'll announce it but yeah yeah we shall we shall tweet it out once we know it for sure as always thank you for tuning in joining the busy boys for another fun-filled productive episode i am the head honcho armand this is my ep nicholas early yeah. uh we are the busy boys and yeah as well you need to stay safe stay humble and stay busy We got the best podcast in the city, y'all mind, Nick Gurley with the flex, stay busy. Topic after topic, conversation, stay litty, keep it witty, no witty, stay out, jiggy, get gritty, stay with Six lines, busy, get involved, all you little other podcasters getting crossed, get lost, like trying to go crawl, fur, or trying to run a cover like moss, burn. Stay busy, nigga, arm dedicated, Cornell grass, so you know they educated, killing every episode, I know the haters hate it, but they love it on the low, it's confused, admiration, we live right now, Ray J on the line with it, this podcast straight up, Trevor Scott Lynn, the shorty son of episode, I might hit, but I left the arm red once I watched it, you know the boy clean, I ain't washed up. Levels crew with me, get involved, mo. My guys know the music, they are not slow. So get situated with this hot show. You know we stay busy. 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 
No stay busy. No stay busy. No stay busy. No stay busy. No stay busy.